Hi everyone, this is Emily Highfield from Soldask and you're listening to Death to All Pub Metal. Hello listeners, this is Gary Grimm, uh, as always, and uh, joining me over the phone today is uh, Emily from uh, the band Soldusk. Emily, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Gary. That is great. So let's get stuck into it. Uh, you're, a, you're a multi-instrumentalist from what I've been reading uh, online. Uh, what instruments do you play, and how old were you when you started getting involved in playing music? Ah, uh, okay. No, let me let me um, set the record straight on this one. Okay. I can play. What what defines a multi instrumentalist? I think my um, my press release was a little bit exa- exaggerated. <laughs> oh, and, <really>? um, <laughs> I think is it anything? Is it more than one instrument makes you a multi instrumentalist? I'm not sure, but I guess so. Anyway, it's it's definitely. Definitely in the, you know, about three instruments that I can play, I think, quite well. But anything more than that, it's conceptual and it's more in my head rather than the execution. Like, I'm not a cellist, for instance, but in terms of the instruments that I do play, I do sing, I also uh, play guitar, I play bass as well. And that's kind of the core of, of how I operate as a musician at this stage. And they're the instruments that I know, but... The lessons and all of that started. Well, I never really had formal lessons. It was self-taught, but along the way, I had lessons um, from, I guess, teenage years onwards. So I'll find a, a teacher and just grab bits and pieces here and there. And I've had uh, recently, I've had a fantastic vocal teacher who's kind of helping me do the harsh stuff without completely stuff my stuffing my vocal cords up. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that's kind of. I think le- learning in music never ends. So I, the teaching, the teaching and the learning never ends. Right, excellent. Uh, so you you have a, a your debut album, full, debut full length album coming out. I do. It's called Lunar Falls, Lunar and it Falls. comes out on uh, Friday the twelfth of April. Excellent. I, I had a little bit of a listen to uh, a, a promo of it, and and it's great. Uh, I noticed there are a lot of kind of elements infused into the music, like there's a bit of folk in there, a little bit of black metal elements, shoegazy stuff, synthy stuff, a bit of doom, all that kind of thing. Is there is there a secret to blending all these elements together so seamlessly, or is it just how the music kind of evolved naturally? Uh, definitely the latter. Yeah. I think it's more, it was never a conscious thing. I know that they are elements that I enjoy in other music and I think the core of it was acoustic then everything's kind of built on that and it's about serving the the feeling of the song Mm. and that you you just do what you do to to actually realize it as best as you can and that's kind of how it worked out in the studio I was very lucky to work with a a great producer who I could communicate with him the ideas, concepts, and uh, demo stuff, and then we'd we'd refine it as we went. Uh, was that a producer you were looking for? You, you like you searched out, or uh, was it just chance that you guys came together? Uh, I think with Mark Helson, it was. I, I knew specifically I wanted someone who understood heavy, and 
that darker space. Mm-hmm. And him being such a, an amazing musician and a songwriter, he's a composer, he's a producer, he just got, he would get it. And I went in with that hope and it was realised as well. It was like, yeah, this is the right person. And he's a perfectionist and he's got attention to detail and, you know, looking at sub-frequencies and, and <laughs> guitar tones and being able to work with someone on bringing it, bringing the, those ideas to life has been, yeah, it was great. And, yeah, I, I sort of stumbled across him because I've been recommended, to, um, there'd been a lot of producers that people had talked very highly of, and there are many, so many here in Victoria, mm. but I just wanted someone from, from the heavier aesthetic that would understand this more melancholy style of music. Right. There, there is a lot of uh, heavy elements to the to the music. There's also a lot of uh, I don't know, m- m- melodic. I guess is might be close to what I'm trying to say. Uh, oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, I've read a lot of interviews where you talk about your metal influences. Are, are there any non-metal influences that kind of inspired you uh, in the creation of this album? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've always liked um, folk music, but more contemporary folk music. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't listen to more traditional things. Although I do love Celtic music, mm. but it was more. I think it's a weird and obscure reference, and it was. It's definitely more like sixties um, folk for me, because sixties folk was very much storytelling, but there was also like underlying political commentary and. Mm. I used to, I used to, as a child, just find these records and just be intrigued by them and kind of go, well, what's that? <laughs> and, and you know, stuff like um, Simon Garfunkel even, you know, listening to Joan Baez, you know, singing these old, sad tales. And I guess it was contemporary folk for the time, but she'd been digging, she'd been digging deep into the 1800s and 1700s and telling these old English stories in her then modern Americana way, beatnik way, and I just always kind of enchanted by that world. And I've always kind of had a real soft spot for it. And I think when I started picking up my acoustic, it was very much, I don't know, just wanting to create a feeling and that sort of somber, I don't know, aesthetic kind of is what, and space is kind of what I feel and what I understand and what is within me, I guess. So, yeah, that, that's definitely part of it. I, I like ambient music as well and more kind of atmospheric, kind of ambient experimental stuff as well. And, yeah, there's lots of... I have very broad kind of taste when I'm not listening to the heavier stuff. And the more... I mean, metal's metal for life, right? And you, no matter what... No matter what... And I keep saying, no matter what other sounds you dabble in, you always come back to that because it's an attitude and it's one that I pretty much subscribe to and understand and feel. Well, speaking of the metal side of things, there are elements of, of black metal in, in your music. I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, gender and, and black metal. So in, in a perfect world, gender wouldn't come into play uh, the way it does sometimes in the metal scene, particularly in the black metal scene. But unfortunately, whenever a talented female plays anything remotely close to black metal, 
there's an uproar from this small section of that community. Have you, have you encountered this ugly part of the metal world yourself? Uh, it's been very limited and, and also it's not over, that's for sure. Mm. Um, it's, it, if it's done, it's insidious. I've been very, very, very lucky um, and very grateful that I've got musicians around me who are, I don't know, the Melbourne metal scene is very open-minded and it was very embracing, especially um, atmospheric black metal, especially Great Tomb. I've got to give a shout-out to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick McGurr, the, the vocalist of that band, he, when he heard of my project and he basically sort of took me under his wing and said, you know, open for us and let people see what you do and it was still taking shape at that point and it's been unfolding and very supportive scene really so I haven't to answer your question I haven't encountered that um, I think with all sorts of music there's always haters I don't know why sure. it's, it's shitty it's a shitty part of humanity I hate it yeah. but you know, I hate the haters <laughs> <laughs> perpetuating the cycle <laughs> the circle but, of life you know but what can you do? It's like, oh, you can't please every, everyone. And the, the gender thing, is, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Um, I know it would be crazy not to mention Merka at this point because mm. I know she was, you know, given death threats and I don't know, I don't understand any of that hate. I just don't get it. She made metal, black metal more accessible and she exposed how progressive black metal and how open and, and blossoming it is in terms of a genre and how it's evolved from something very, very raw and it's always going to have that raw element and dissonance to it and there's a, a, a knuckliness to it and that's what people are drawn to because it is so visceral and, and real and it's unpretentious and true and that's the spirit of it but she's, she's taken it somewhere of her own and... I think people get very protective of a, a music that they have such a strong affinity to that sometimes it just gets a bit out of hand. And um, and I totally respect that people feel very strongly about their subgenres. I understand that. I get it. It's such a personal thing. But to heap hate on someone who's just doing their thing, it's just, I don't know, it's just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But yeah, gender shouldn't really come into play. And... Uh, I've been asked this question before about, oh, you know, if it was, it's a one-man project, you know, you, you don't sort of say, oh, one-man project. But I, I have heard that many times, especially with the label that I, I'm associated with. I mean, he's a one-man label, basically, and he mm. signed a lot of one-person artists, and he does call them one-man artists, unrequited or, or one-man artists you know, whoever he's referring to, and he's got heaps of artists like that. But to me, it's a statement of fact. It's not a statement of, I don't know, marketing. It's a statement of fact. It's I'm a female who's had a project, a vision, and I've recruited people to elevate that vision. And I'm not, I'm not a multi-instrumentalist, and I'm not going to subject people to my very basic cello playing you know, or drum playing. I'm not, I dabble and I always have fun learning new instruments, but why would I put that on an album for people to listen to? I'm not proficient, you know, I'll recruit people who have spent hours and hours on their instrument and get the best of, you know, of what I've got. 
in, in that kind of realm, uh, how, how did you meet your live band? Oh, the, the live collaborators have been, <laughs> it's been, been fun. I've always kind of wanted to collaborate rather than be in a band, um, but it just seems to happen that way where, you know, it was like, um, you know, you, you play with someone and then if there's that chemistry, you just kind of go, oh, it's just so rare, you know, and you find someone who you can understand on stage, you have a little bit of um, telepathy and you, they just know when you've screwed up or when you're, when you're about to do something, they can kind of read you and vice versa. And so, you know, I've, I've kept, tried to keep those ones and I've played with some fantastic performers, but the ones who are currently in the ensemble mm-hmm. are um, people that I've, I've stumbled across very luckily. Like one, the cellist that I'm working with at the moment, Rachel Harvey, I went to an open mic and there was, I went there to support a friend's project and I saw this force, musical force on stage and I went up to her afterwards and I, I chatted with her and and said, that was incredible. And she said, oh, I've never heard those songs in my life. <laughs> she was up there improvising. And wow. I just went, whoa, this is like a... And I, of course, I had to poach her from whatever she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Unmerciful, completely merciless. I just kind of went, no, oh, you're, you're mine. You're coming with me, lady. <laughs> so it was, it was, it's been a little bit like that. And then Josh... Josh Taylor, Taylor, who's um, the acoustic uh, performer, I just I basically put an ad up on Facebook. Um, musician, some musicians post, and he sent me some neoclassical acoustic compositions, and I just went, "This guy's amazing!" Because I wanted someone who could do that, but also had their heart in metal. And as it happens, he's now playing in a technical death metal band. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's wearing a few. Of his beloved hats, you know, he gets sure. to do his more acoustic, sensitive stuff with Soldusk, and then he he gets to unleash the fury with his his technical death metal project. So, yeah, <laughs> very well rounded musician there. Uh, w- w- yes, yes, indeed. W- will you all be uh, touring for the for Lunar Falls uh, soon? I hope so, Gary. Um, it's what we're working towards and at the moment it's still an acoustic ensemble and we're just having we're having to pull back on the shows that we're doing and saying yes to one or two fantastic opportunities and and events but overall i'm trying to focus on the elevation of the live show instead of you know keeping the the acoustics always going to be there and Mm. We're going forward and I'm picking up my electric and there's a huge learning curve to getting the sound as it appears on the album, which is there's a lot of tracks, guitar tracks, and trying to recreate that and to be able to immerse the audience and ourselves in the in the place of Lunar Falls, you know, which is, it's intimate, it's also epic and, and to try and realise that, it, we need time to do that and get the full kit out and... It's all, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? It's all cute. But <laughs> I just realised what that, anyway, you know what I'm saying, right? You know I, what I'm saying. I it's get what you said. I, I, I was naively uh, avoiding the, the innuendo or anything oh, like that. crazy. I just realised the full kit, anyway, talking to mature musicians and music lovers here, so 
Um, oh, you don't know my audience then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to think I'm talking to mature music lovers, but no. Okay, we have to go there. So, yeah, to get the full sound, and and that'll be unfolding around September, I would say, but there's a few other gigs in the works, and, yeah, next year I think touring is the it's the the hope. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but it would be awesome to head overseas and to play music to people there. Uh, you've been getting a few good uh, reviews coming from overseas. How's that feel? a little bit surreal because when I started the project I, I would hope that there'd be you know a small little passionate audience for it mm. and to get um, the sort of critical thumbs up is it's like I wasn't expecting it and wasn't going for it. I didn't think of it so to actually get that validation is actually pretty massive for me because it's you know I'm pretty I'm pretty much an introvert and I live in my own little world, <laughs> so to to have you know the, the outside world who listen to a lot of music and there's a lot of credible reviewers and blogs out there, people that you know are showing an interest in this project, and it's just the start for me. I feel like I've already got ideas for the next two three albums and. I can't wait to get started on that, but things have to unfold naturally and yeah, it's very validating and it makes me feel like I'm on the right track towards that stuff. That's excellent and it's well deserved as well. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time. Uh, So the album comes out on the 12th of April? Yes, yes. It's not far off now and the labels already started sending stuff out to people but unfortunately i haven't received my merchandise yet you should be the first to get it so i'm like damn well uh, i wish you all the best and uh yeah i hope to see you uh be uh, hopefully before the end of the year um performing uh, around these parts that'd be great thank you so much gary i really appreciate your time as well and Hi everyone and hopefully yeah see you all at a show later in the year excellent thank you emily